Church of Christ presents Promise of the Spirit, a reflection by the Reverend Jean Randall Bodman, presented on Sunday, May 17th, 2020. I wish for so many reasons that we were able to be all together in one place. I wish it so there could be hugging and singing and feeding each other, so we could see each other's facial expressions unmediated by the glare of a computer screen. So I could ask, so we could all ask each other, how are you weathering this odd and anxious time? And so we could listen face to face and breathe together. And in that togetherness, make the living of these days easier, lighter, and more joyful. I have no doubt that each one of you has developed habits, some good, some maybe not so good, that make these days of isolation at home feel richer and more lively. For me, I've been spending a good bit of time in my yard weeding and watching and listening to the birds. I'm not a good bird watcher. I'm neither knowledgeable nor, if I am honest, do I have any intention of becoming knowledgeable. And that's not like me. I usually am a little bit addicted to information, but just for right now, I am content to just enjoy the beauty. And I've been watching more TV than usual. After my foolhardy decision to watch what everyone was talking about on social media, all the episodes of Tiger King, David and I have given up on staying current and we are binging on reruns of MASH. Now, for those of you too young to remember or having forgotten, MASH was a 1970s comedy set in an American army hospital in South Korea. It ran for 11, se 11 seasons, from the time I was about 12 to the time I was 21. And my family watched every episode. We watched when it came out, and we watched again in reruns. And I've realized that despite the sexist jokes, the too loud wisecracking dialogue, that probably only stands the test of time because of my sense of nostalgia. Despite all that, that show left me with an enduring image of what love looks like. I was reminded of that this week in an episode in which our hero, Hawkeye Pierce, or maybe anti-hero, I'm not sure, he has reached his breaking point with the horrible food in the mess tent. And he pitches a little fit. He decides he wants, he needs, he must have the ribs from a particular restaurant in Chicago. Many shenanigans ensue and the ribs and sauce finally, finally, finally arrive. And just as the camp cook is serving those ribs to Hawkeye and a small circle of his friends, inevitably in that moment, the sirens sound and the familiar voice comes over the loudspeaker. Incoming wounded, all surgical personnel report to the OR immediately. Before the word incoming is even out of his mouth, the whole table has stood as one, dropped their utensils, and gone running out the door toward the OR. Because that's what love does. Where there is injury in the world, love gets up 
and runs in the direction of the one who is hurt. Now, we have a pretty high estimation of human agency here in the UCC, of our ability to act and make change as individual human beings. We've got what theologians call a high anthropology. We hear it in phrases that we repeat often, like, be the change you wish to see in the world. If things are going to get better, it's going to be up to you. We are the ones we've been waiting for. This is echoed in our American culture of self-help, which actually tries to sell us not just on the idea of agency, but unlimited agency. You can do anything, be anything, have anything. If only you buy our product, subscribe to our theory, or follow our program of self-improvement. You are able. But of course, no one's agency is unlimited. We all exist on what Kate Poehler describes as a sliding scale of agency. That scale slides across our culture, it slides across an individual lifetime, and it even slides from day to day. Because some of us start with fewer resources or are victims of racism or sexism or institutional injustice, our agency has been cut short. And most of us will, at one time or another, be limited by illness or age or life circumstance. Individually, we alone are not enough to solve even all of our own lives, much less the problems of the world. We cannot do it alone, but we are not alone. We have each other. And as the readings from scripture this week remind us, God is always near. In the reading from Acts, we listen in on the author's account of a sermon given by Paul. It was, he was in the midst of his mission, missionary activity, traveling widely around the um, Greco-Roman world, and Paul made a stop in Athens. He went first to the synagogue, then to the marketplace, and in today's passage, we overhear the sermon that he gave to representatives of the major philosophical schools, the Epicureans and the Stoics. It was an apologia of sorts. He was explaining why he had the right story. He started by noting, maybe a little bit sarcastically, the extreme piety of the Athenians, as evidenced by all their shrines with all their worship objects, even one dedicated to an unknown god. The Greeks, who were often devotees of many gods, were covering all their bases. But Paul picks up on this and assures them that he knows, even if they do not, who that God is. And he tells them that the God who created everything has never been far from them. The God who created everything is, in fact, the reality in which they live and move and have their being. Turn your heart and mind, he says. God is near. Our reading from John takes up right where we left off last week, in the middle of Jesus' long talk with his disciples on their last night together, the night of foot washing and betrayal, arrest and denial, the night of the new commandment to love one another. 
Jesus goes on talking for a long time to reassure his disciples because hard times are coming for them and he wants to fortify them for the days ahead. He wants to reassure them that they will not be left orphaned and comfortless, even though he will be gone. Into their troubled hearts, with the heart-wrenching questions that will come after Jesus' death, into their sense of abandonment and loss, into their grief, Jesus speaks of another advocate, the Spirit who walks alongside them everywhere and always. Into our troubled hearts, our heart-wrenching questions about the state of the world and the role of God in the world, Jesus speaks assurance to us of another comforter who will walk along beside us everywhere and always. This advocate, this comforter, will do and be what Jesus has already been for his disciples. A guide, a teacher, a reminder, someone who abides, witnesses, intercedes, and comforts. What they have known in Jesus and fear losing in Jesus's absence, they will always know in this promise of the Spirit. Our world is suffering from the pandemic. Our country is suffering from a national response more informed by politics than science. And our national community is suffering from divisions which seem uncrossable. In the midst of that, we are called to the way of love and we have the promise that the spirit will be with us, enabling us. But in these difficult days, it can be hard to know how to rise and run toward where the hurt is in the world. Some of us are making masks and some of us are shopping for neighbors. Some of us are lobbying Congress to urge responses that seem equitable. To remind our lawmakers not to forget those who are imprisoned at the border. Some are calling and writing their friends and family and church friends to make sure that everyone stays connected in this disconnected time. Some are donating to charitable organizations. Some are advocating for policies to protect the environment. Where is the spirit of truth calling you? If this is a time when you are more limited on the sliding scale of agency, if weariness or anxiety is limiting you, if work, or homeschooling or parenting is draining all of your internal resources, what do you need to guard yourself? How can those who love you serve you? And if this is a moment of greater agency for you, if your energy is high and your hope is solid, where do you hear the spirit of truth calling you to rise and run toward the hurt in the world? How is the spirit empowering you? We live and move and have our being in God. And in God, we do not need to pretend to unlimited agency or perfect power. In God, our rising and running, our sitting and waiting, our giving help and our receiving help are all holy. May it be so.
listen, listen, listen. 